Praise the Lord. You may be seated. It's good to be back home. We, me and my wife took Friday, last Friday. We drove over to Branson for a Friday night and Saturday night. We was able to come back on Sunday, but Sunday evening, and we had a good two days there of just having R&R rest and having a good time uh, just uh, with each other. And uh, I know that you had to tolerate Josh and Mike over the weekend. I do apologize for that. Amen. Didn't they do a great job? Amen. We, um, I'm always standing amazed at our God. You know, one of the things that we do have around this church that is different than a lot of churches is spontaneity. And when the Lord just breaks out and the Lord does what he wants, we just want that to continue. We never want to lose that. We never want to get so programmed. You know, yes, we got a program, we got a plan. Yes, we prepare. But anytime that God wants to interrupt, we want him to interrupt, amen? We want him to be the Lord of the house. How many want God to be the Lord of the house? Amen. But one of the things that we do around here is, you know, a lot of churches, they get everybody together in their count, in their meetings, on their staff meetings, and they say, okay, I'm going to preach on this, so I want you to sing these songs, and I want you to teach this in your Sunday school lessons, and everything just goes along, and then they, when people come in, they hand them a, a, a order of service, and it's all written out, and man, it's all together, and everybody's doing the same thing, and and I've never really wanted to flow that way. I just wanted people to pray, to seek the face of the Lord, and not that being organized is bad, and, and, and we are organized in our own way, and there are times that we do services that way, very few of them throughout the year, maybe some special services where we want to bring an emphasis or whatever. But I am amazed at how God speaks to our people and how that, man, it just, it, it just, it's just unbelievable how that you won't even mention what you're preaching or you won't mention even what, um, you know, the, uh, they're going to be maybe singing and the singing will go right along with the message or the message will go right along with the singing. And then uh, I knew I was going to be gone this last week. So the week before I was kind of preparing for the sermon for this week. And um, I started mentioning a little bit of it on a Monday night. We have a little prayer group going on called the Pastor's Porch and I got a group of men that I'm meeting with, and we're, we have this prayer time together. And Brother Burton was there, and he, uh, I said the scripture, and, I, and he kind of looked at me kind of weird. And I seen it, but I didn't think nothing of it. And he was teaching that Wednesday night. And the very sermon that I was working on, and I was expounding them, guys, here he was preaching a lot of it on that Wednesday night. Done a marvelous job. Moved us to prayer. Thank you, Brother Burton, for that. And then uh, last week... As we were in Branson, actually we were able to uh, be with Jimmy and, and Cassie Isom and, and Jimmy, had, I began to tell him, he said, what are you preaching next week? And I was telling him, and then we turn on the radio to listen to the service on Sunday morning, and uh, we just got to laughing because a lot of what I'm preaching this morning, Brother Josh had covered, I changed some of my message as a result of it because, man, he said some of the things I was going to say. I think he got, I think he's got my office bugged. I really do. And it, it's amazing that God is speaking to his people. Can I have an amen? God, folks, I want you to open your ears today because God's speaking to his people. And we need to listen to what the Spirit of the Lord's saying. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to two different groups of scriptures or one passage is in Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. And the other one is in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 through 34. 
Hebrews chapter 11, verse 12 first. We want to quote that one when they get it up there. And this is what Brother Burton had preached on and done a marvelous job. And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffereth violence and the violent take it by force. And then in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 through 34, the Bible says, and what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Japheth and of David and also of Samuel and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to fight the armies of the aliens. I'm gonna ask if my son Benjamin would stand and ask the Lord's anointing on the word of the Lord this morning. Amen. Today I want to start by quoting the book of Revelation chapter 3 verse 22 and it just says, he that hath a hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. This could very well be one of the most important messages that I've ever been preaching in my whole lifetime. I believe that this message serves as a warning to you and I about the importance of the hour that is at hand and the season and the generation in which we live in. I really believe that there's ever a time to redeem the time, it is now. It is important to redeem the time because of what the Apostle Paul addressed in the book of Ephesians 5 and 16 when he said redeeming the time because the days are evil. If the apostle Paul admonished the believers at Ephesus over 2,000 years ago to redeem the time because the days are evil, then how much more then should we redeem the time during these last days when iniquity shall abound and perilous times come upon us like the apostle Paul told us. We don't have time to do and to get caught up in endless, unimportant, unnecessary things that rob us of the important task that is at hand for the church. We cannot afford to have our priorities all mixed up and lose our focus of the seriousness of the times that you and I actually live in. The end time events is upon us and the showdown between good and evil is escalating right before our eyes. The time of what I call of Elijah is upon us. What do you mean the time of Elijah is upon us? There's no longer the gray areas. It's either light or dark, good or evil, black or white. The sword has been drawn in the sand as Joshua said. He that is on the Lord's side stand on this side and everybody else that is against the Lord stand on the other side. I want you to know in the spirit realm there is a sword that is drawn in the sand and you and I are going to have to have to make up our mind to who we're going to serve. The dividing line has been set. The, the mask have come off. The rise of evil is rampant and the darkness has risen upon the earth as Isaiah chapter 60 said it would. There's no longer the ability for us to be straddling the fence and playing church. As Joshua admonished us, we have to choose you this day whom that you and I are really going to serve. There's no room for lukewarmness or we're going to be spewed out into the tribulation that is fixing to come upon the earth. There's no room for carnal appetite and a love for the things of this world. We quote it a lot, but I don't want to never get these scriptures to lose its impact upon our lives. But 
1 John chapter 2, starting with verse 15, he says, Love not the world, neither the things that's in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, they're not of the Father, but of the world. And the world is going to pass away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God, it is him that abideth forever. We must have a passion for the things of the Spirit and a hunger after righteousness like we've never had before. Matthew 6 and 33 still says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things shall be added unto us. The things that you desire, the things that you want can be given to you and granted to you if you'll put God first and seek his righteousness. Matthew 5 and 6 just says, Blessed are those that do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they're the ones that's going to be filled. How many want to be filled with the fullness of God and the goodness of God? Then hunger after righteousness. We must choose this day whom we're going to serve because no man can serve two masters. He will either hate the one or love the other. He'll cling to the one, despise the other, and you cannot serve God and mammon or God or money or God or materialism according to the book of Matthew chapter 6 verse 24. And when we take a sobering look into our text, we'll find the most disturbing truth that many of us want to avoid and, and we really want to deny that it even exists. In Matthew chapter 11 verse 12, the Bible says, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence and the violent take it by force. This scripture tells us that ever since the day of John the Baptist, that the kingdom of God has been under an assault. There has been an attack of the enemy to do harm to those that are a part of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of this world and the God of this world, which is the devil, is trying to stomp out and make havoc against the kingdom of the Lord, that kingdom that you and I are born into. There is a militant attack from the demonic realm and it is trying to seize the children of God. Can I tell you there is an all out assault of demonic activity in these last days against you. You better pay attention to what I'm preaching here today. The enemy is making a raid against the kingdom of God. It's making a raid against the kingdom of light. It's making a raid against the children of light. We are in a fight and not just an ordinary fight. The gloves have come off and you and I are in the fight for our lives. We're living in a weird dispensation. We're living in the dispensation called the church dispensation and we're living in the very last days of that church dispensation. So that means that we're coming up to the time of tribulation and the times of sorrows are at hand and we in a biblical sense are in a time of great, great warfare. We're in a time of great darkness when it comes upon the land. The fight isn't just against our religious liberties that we hold so dear, but this is for our very lives. It is a fight of life and death. It's a life and death situation. This is, this is either a deny Christ generation or be persecuted. And in many places, it even means to be prosecuted, even here in the United States of America. Who would have ever believed that people of faith would face some of the things that they are being faced with right here in America during this time for just being people of faith? Men like the baker over there in, in Colorado, the men like the, the woman like the florist in Oregon, the preacher in California who they arrested just because he had church services and defiled a city ordinance. And you can go on and on. This is happening right here, folks. It's happening right here in the United States of America. And what really ticks me off is in Canada when they showed that little preacher when the police came in and they were trying to check him out of whether or not they had masks on and 
for things. He said, get out, get out. And everybody was saying, that preacher was so lawless and that preacher was such a fanatic and they were against that preacher and everybody's been talking bad about him and how weird he was, but he stood his ground. He said, you get out, you Nazis. You're not coming in the house of God and telling me what to do. Get out, get out. And they kept on pressuring and pressuring. He said, do you have a warrant? And they said, no, then get out. This is private property, get out. And he drove them out. I want to tell you whether you like me or not for saying this, I stand 100% behind him. They have no right to come in and harness the church of the living God. We are essential to what's going on in this land and we will stand tall and we will not deny that Jesus Christ is Lord and we'll proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. We will not shut up. We will not sit down. We will not cave in, but we will declare the goodness of God in the land of the living. Well, hallelujah. Well, somebody shout with me. Would you do it? Give a shout of victory in this house. The enemy isn't just out to take your liberties away and your freedom. He's out to kill you. He's out to take your life away. John 10 and 10 says, the thief cometh not but to kill, to steal and destroy. What part of that verse do you not understand? He's out to kill you, to destroy you, to steal from you. First Peter 5 and 8 says, be sober, be vigilant, be awake, be alert, church. Be sober, vigilant, watch, be watchful, because your adversary, the devil, is like a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may what? Devour. When are we going to get into our heads that this is a serious time and that we're in the battle for our life? The devil is out to devour you, to rend you, to destroy you, and to take you apart as a lion would devour its prey. He will not be happy until you are totally annihilated as a person of faith. Folks, the enemy of your soul is becoming violent. Are you listening to me? That's the key word. They're becoming violent. And the, worldly, and the worldly political system that's being sent up of anarchism, Marxism, socialism, which all leads to communism is the pathway and the venue that a lot of this violence is coming from. He's using your very government against you. Are you listening to me? Now, I'm, I'm going to preach here, and some of you are going to get mad at me, but that's okay. I don't have time to break down what all this Marxism, anarchism, and socialism, and communism is because they've all got a little bit of different twist to it, but they all have one goal in common, and that is to become your God. They are selling their propaganda to the American people by telling them that the big government is your brother and he will take good care of you and he will protect you and he will give you what you need. The message is becoming extremely popular through this free money that's being passed out by the trillions called the stimulus plan. And the problem is the big government is out to take your freedom away and become your God and tell you what you will and will not do. All of this free stuff is nothing more than a smoke screen. It's an enticement and people are buying into it and selling into it because they're selling their soul just like Esau did just for a measly bowl of soup and we're selling out for a measly few thousand dollars and thinking oh how good our government is. It's nothing more than a dictatorship that's being formed right before our eyes and the people of government is going to want to be in control of your life. The radical four left extremist yes I did say it. The radical four left extremist. I want to 
tell you who I'm talking about. And I'm not afraid to say it. The radical, far left extremists are demanding and advocating extreme action against anything that is wholesome and good and anything and anybody that challenges them and even has a different opinion than what they have. They're out to literally silence you. Whole corporations have literally backed down from these people because they're afraid of them. They're afraid of the violence if they don't. They're afraid of what might take place. They're out to destroy the Constitution saying it's outdated for the 21st century. Our Constitution is not outdated. Can I have an amen? Can I have some patriotism in this building here today? Amen? They're out to destroy patriotism and they have set out to rewrite history and remove all monuments and statutes or national treasures all by playing this race card. I'm so sick of hearing it. They're out to destroy any moral fabric left in America. They're wanting to defund the police and form a government-run state force. They're forming a hostile government that is non-tolerant to the community of faith. These are the same practices used during the time of Hitler. They're anti faith, they're anti-God, and they're sure anti-America because America was not built upon anything other than Jesus Christ and his righteousness. Can I have an amen? The enemy is out to destroy democracy because it's all about power, money, and control. And the difference in America now than just a few short years ago is America's always done things behind the scenes in a smokescreen way. Evil men's always fought against us. But America's always done things secretively, secretively, in the dark, using deception and seducing people through lies and through falsehood. But now it's a different culture. It's a different time. Now they have come out of the closet and there is no room for error in what they believe and what they stand for. They literally have openly spoken it right out to the media. They put it online. They placed it on their platforms and you know what they believe in. You know what they say. And what amazes me is this. The level of deception that the ordinary men and women of America have bought into. There is bright, smart, educated, businessmen and women who have completely lost all sense of right and wrong due to the deception of this age. Who could ever believe that bright, smart, educated, good, hardworking American people could even think about supporting or backing or voting for the four left-wing extremists that is synonymous with communism? Come on, somebody help me preach here. Who would believe that they could buy into the ideological viewpoint that it's all about correcting an injustice as they play this race card within America? Who could believe that they would believe false narratives and, 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 and as, as, as they broadcast them through fake news and when the facts are right before their eyes? They're brainwashed by a media that has an agenda. Oh, you could expect that out of Iran, brainwashing their people. You could expect that out of China, brainwashing their people. They been doing but now America has caught on and that's how they're beginning to they're brainwashing through false narratives I want to tell you you better be watchful for what you hear and what you see and what you buy into on the thing called news can I have there's only one news that you need to be paying attention to it's called the good news it's called the gospel of Jesus Christ it's called the word of the living God the flower fadeth and I want you to know everything else collapses around it but the 
word of God stands forever. It is the only true basis in which we can stand and plant our feet on solidarity. The word of the living Lord is what we need to be taken hold of in these last days. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. This is where I'm gonna extremely get a little bit uh, maybe um, disliked or where I'll get a lot of disagreement, but Antifa and the Black Lives Matter movement uh, has become violent, burning cities, vandalizing, stealing, looting, uh, and they're destroying public property, ruining innocent Americans' lives, both white and both black, both rich and both poor, both young and both old, and yet CNN and the extreme left say, oh, that it's just peaceful protest, and there has been very, very few arrests been made in any of those violent crimes. Under the rule of government right now, do you not know our own United States government, gang members, murderers, rapists, and more have more rights than the American citizens and they're protected through so-called sanctuary cities. Folks, this is absurd. It's absurd. And I want to say it even more profoundly by biblical truth, it is completely demonic. Say what it is, it's demonic. And yet we have good hardworking Americans buying into uh, this philosophy by the thousands, by the millions. Truly, 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 is completely right. In whom the God of this world, who's Satan or the devil, has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest they, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, who's in the image of God, should shine upon them. And then in, a, uh, in the book of Ephesians 4 and 18, the Bible says, having their understandings darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Let's dissect this just a little bit. Paul made it very clear that when a person is alienated, alienated from the life of God that literally when he's not transformed, when he's not born again, when he don't have any spiritual enlightenment, that their heart is blinded and their understanding is darkened. Though they be good, hardworking, so-called good, hardworking American people, they have an inability to obtain knowledge, he said, and instruction and enlightenment. That's why that John said in John 1 and 5, he said, and the light shined in darkness, but that darkness couldn't comprehend it, couldn't understand that truth. They cannot hear truth because they become ignorant of the the real nature of God because they have bought into a false religion. That's exactly what it is. False truths, false narratives, and they have believed lives. They've been seduced by seducing spirits and they believe lives and they have become damned. And if they have no true knowledge to which they govern themselves by, then they have no morality nor standard of truth. And the moral state, their moral state becomes so wicked that they abhor everything that is spiritual and that is pure. That's why this world right now hates you. Because you stand for light. You stand for holiness. You stand for purity. They have no governing factor to where they can comprehend what that is all about. They resist everything that has a tendency to lay any restraint on their vicious passions and their inclinations. They, the, the, I want to tell you, the carnal mind is an enmity with God. It's not subject to the law of God and neither indeed can it be. 
be. Can I tell you the carnal mind is at war with the spiritual. Can I tell you they cannot understand us. That's why that when people come up and say they say things to you and they want to hurt you and they want to be violent towards you because of your faith, it's because they're blinded. They cannot see. They have no moral fabric inside of them that's governed by any higher law than themselves. Can I have an amen? That's why the Bible says the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God for they are foolish unto him and neither can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. They're foolish what we get up here. What I'm preaching today is foolish to a lot of people. They think I'm a fanatic. They think I'm a right wing conspiratist that's out here to rob them of their freedoms and strip them away and try to control their lives. They're saying the very things about us that we're saying about them. Can I have an amen? But this is why that 2 Peter 2, verse 12 through 14, listen to the description that God gives this generation. Listen. But these, as natural brute beast. It's her nature to be a brute beast. Come on, are you getting this? As natural brute beast made to be taken and destroyed speak evil of things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in the corruption. Now hold it, I'm not done yet. He goes and says, I want to tell you something. They're destroying themselves by what they believe. Listen to verse 13. And shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they count it pleasure, now watch, to riot in the daytime. Spots they are, and blemishes, sporting themselves with their deceivings while they feast with you. Having their eyes full of adultery. How much have we heard about sex trafficking and sexual immorality and sexual sins that's just rampant in our nation? And they cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls and heart they have exercised with covetous practices their cursed children. Now, I wish I had time to break that all down, but though these people's works be that of darkness, yet they do it in the daytime because they have no shame about themselves. These, this means they have come out of the closet. That's a prophetic word, and we didn't see it in the way that it was. This means that in these last days, they've come out of the closet. They're no more hiding. The gloves have been taken off. They're a woke generation. I want to see how many I get throwing something at me right there. They're in the streets. They're in the public arena. They're in your face. They're in the media. They're online. They're everywhere. They're stopping interstates from travel through their riding and through their protest. They're stopping businesses from operating. They're burning businesses down. They're attacking their very own, come on, using violence as their weapon of fear. This is where America is at. You're seeing it come to play. The biblical principles that Paul talked about of the last days of lawlessness is right, the injustices, is right before our eyes. Open your understanding here this morning. They oppose, they fight, they speak against things that they cannot understand. They sport themselves with their own deceivings and they brag and they flaunt it. They're in your face. 
They have no shame, no conviction, no conscience, and they cannot cease from sin. They take and hurt human life without any kind of conscience. Don't matter to them that they can have partial, partial banned abortion where they, uh, uh, where they pull the baby out and jab it in the brains and then sell its body parts. Who, what kind of barbaric society are we living in? Partial birth abortion is what I meant to say. Couldn't find the word. Who would ever have thought in our daytime that you'd be watching on television while they're riding and the truck driver's stuck in the middle of it and they go up and open the door and drag him out and beat him almost to death to where he's unrecognizable and no one's ever even prosecuted for it. Who would ever think for a moment that a little uh, black girl would get killed at 16 years old and because it wasn't by a white man, the media don't even cover it. Like that, I thought black lives matter. I want to tell you all black lives matter. Yes, they do. Even the ones that's not killed by a white person. Am I digging a hole? Every life matters. Asian lives matter. Chinese lives matter. Russian lives matter. Iran lives matter. Humanity matters. There's only one race. It's called the human race. We're all equal in the sight of God. Oh, you can beat that. Stand up and give a standing ovation for that remark. We're all the same. We all got red blood flowing through our veins. There's no Jew or Gentile, black or white in the sight of God. Hallelujah, Lord, help us. They have no shame, no conviction, no conscience. They also beguile unstable souls. They prey on the innocent, the poor, the uneducated, the young. They've completely corrupted our educational system that now when you take a child out of the church and send him off to college, within the four years that he's in college, he's completely lost his faith because of not education, but indoctrination that's being done in our schools. Paul said in 1 Timothy 4 and 2, they speak lies and hypocrisy. Now look at the word hypocrisy. Why? Why do they do that? Because they have their conscience seared with a hot iron and they cannot come to truth. Have you ever seen such hypocrisy? Now this is gonna really make people mad. When they tried to impeach a president for calling a peaceful protest because he even used the word peaceful. What they were upset is that he was having a rally where he was having it and when he was having it and they did not like what he was saying and because they didn't agree with what he was saying, they said he what caused violence. Now, and yet you have a Congress representative encouraging calling for riots in the streets. She called on people to harass American citizens, to get aggressive, to get in their face, go to the restaurants and hound them, go to their homes and, 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 and bother them. And she told them not to hire people with their kind of viewpoint. And, said, and if they got that viewpoint, fire them. A congresswoman, Maxine Walters. I ain't afraid to say her name. It's ridiculous. And American people put up with that. Oh, but here's what's worth. Yet the four left called her comments appropriate in the context that it was used and she has no need that she should ever apologize. 
Boy, it's getting quiet in this house. What really blows me away is when charges to censor her was brought forth. The moderates, who's supposed to be moderates, voted against censoring her, and her political party voted party lines to not censor her as well. What has happened to the common sense of America? What has happened to its heart, its conviction, its moral compass, its standards, and its stand for truth? I can tell you what has happened. They have caved in and lost courage due to threat. They're afraid to stand up against the woke culture due to the violent nature that is behind it. They've also been bought out with money, many of them. They're afraid of losing their positions and they're power hungry and they're selfish, only thinking of themselves. Whole corporations has bound down to the woke culture because they're afraid, man, they may burn our businesses. They may do this. The, you know what? It's always the people that's out there speaking the loudest that gets the most attention. My dad always used, to say, always used to say it's the squeaky wheel that gets all of the grease. And we have been silent in the church to the point that we've lost our influence and we've lost our voice. Can I have an amen? Everyone that has stood for truth has had to face severe attacks and consequences and violent threats. John the Baptist was beheaded if you do not know that. This bunch is violent, they're mean, they're vicious, and they're out to take control at any cost. And it seems that we have the Department of Justice, part, at least a big part of them, not all of them, and this goes for the rest of the FBI and the judicial branch. Seems like they're right in the right, in their right pocket, hand pocket due to the fact that no one's been arrested for any crimes that's committed on their side that's been proven over and over, over and over and over, from lying to Congress to lying to judges to lying. Uh, you just name it. You can f false dossiers and all kinds of stuff uh, going, uh, having stuff on your private, uh, your private emails and different things that's against the law. Come on, if that had been uh, anybody else, they'd all be put in prison. And yet on the opposite side, when a 77-year-old man is asleep in his bed with his wife, the FBI comes with guns drawn, CNN filming it all, mob, massive FBI, raids his home, drags him and his wife out of their bed and arrests them. Does that sound fair? They have a different set of rules to play by and a different standard, a different judicial system, a different justice. They want America to become like a third world country where they're in power and the rest of us just flow to their commands. What's the answer? What's the solution? Is there one? Is there any hope? I'm gonna ask you that again. Is there any hope for America? Can I have a witness? Can I tell you that our text in Hebrews 11, verse 32 through 34, gives us our answer to that question. Starting with verse 32 of Hebrews 11, and what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of the Japheth and of David and also of Samuel and the prophets, who through faith should do kingdoms. They wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of the fire, escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness, say it, out of weakness were made strong. Waxed valiant in fight, turned to fight the armies of the aliens. Now, as you look at the scripture, you'll see that they are linked to what we call the heroes of the faith. How many of you want to be a spiritual hero? Okay, if you want to, come on, is that the only heroes we want? How many want to be spiritual heroes? Can I have a witness? To be a hero, you have to, do, you have to be heroic, and to be heroic, you have to do heroic things. 
To be heroic means behavior or talk that is bold or dramatic, to be brave, and to do courageous things. And when you look at these heroes of the faith, they all overcome violent attacks and they were people of faith. Though they were people of faith, yet they overcome violent attacks. They faced violence. And it was through their faith that they subdued kingdoms. They wrought forth righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword and so on. They done all of that through faith. They were brave men and women standing up and resisting the enemy. How many of you ready to resist the enemy? How many of you are not afraid to proclaim the truth of Jesus Christ? It also tells us that they waxed valiant in fight, turned to fight the armies of the aliens. This verse reveals to us that they were in a battle, they were in a fight, and they were fighting aliens. What is an alien? It is a foreign power. It is from a foreign kingdom or nation. And can I tell you that the world is not where we're a part of. The world, the kingdom of this world is not what we're in. I may be an American citizen here on earth in the flesh, but I am a citizen of heaven and my home is in heaven. And I want you to know I am born again into the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light, and the kingdom of the world and the kingdom of darkness is not the kingdom that I belong to. It is a foreign kingdom and they are aliens that fight against me. And they are aliens that fight against you. However, it also reveals that it's no ordinary fight. It was Paul that said in Ephesians 6 and 12 that we quote quite often, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness of this world, and against spiritual wickedness in high places. Hey, I said it slow. It came to me slow. Hallelujah. I can't hardly do that. That's hard for me. You know I'm fast. The kingdom of darkness is coming against us through rulers of darkness, people in high places, spiritual high places. The government. Hello? People that are demonic. Demonic led. They're full of darkness. They can't cease from sin and beguiling unstable souls. They prey on innocence. Come on. They use propaganda and brainwashing. God help me. The first thing that he reveals, this is not a flesh and blood fight. This is why these men and women were called valiant in fight. Didn't say they were violent, they were valiant. Though they fought, yet they were not violent, but they were valiant. The word valiant means extremely bravely, possessing or showing courage or determination, having enduring faith, being persistent. I like that, don't you? The fight that you and I are to fight is a fight of faith. We are called to endure hardness as a good soldier. And matter of fact, 1 Timothy 6 and 12 says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life wherein you also called and has possessed a good profession among many witnesses. We cannot draw a sword like Peter or we'll get the same rebuke that Jesus gave him. When he looked at Peter, when Peter cut off the servant of the high priest here off, when they come to get him in the garden, whom he cut it off. And what did Jesus do? He reached out and got the ear, put it back on, healed the, his opposition, healed his enemy, blessed his enemy, like he tells you and I to do. And then he tells Peter, Peter, put up your sword. He that fights with the sword will perish by the sword. You're savoring the things that be of men and not that of God. 
In other words, you're carnal in what you just did. Amen? The kingdom of God's warfare is not that of violence, but that of the spirit. We are not to take up weapons and guns and kill and riot like that of the world. We're no better than them if we do that. Amen? Hello? I know I'm in southeast Missouri, a bunch of hillbillies, and I know what we like to do. Somebody come up and slap us on the right cheek, we're gonna knock their left cheek plumb off the face. Amen? That's our nature, but we gotta lose that nature. Come on now. I've been preaching against them, now I'm preaching against us a little bit, where we are. Paul made it very clear in 2 Corinthians 10 and 4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Huh, I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Romans 12 and 19 says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place unto wrath. How many of you are willing to do that? Don't avenge yourself, but give place to wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, saith the Lord. How about Proverbs 20, 22? Say that not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord, and he'll save you. Don't say, I'm gonna get back. I'm gonna somehow get this back. I'm gonna, come on. Proverbs 24, 29, say not I will do so to him as he's done to me. I will render to the man according to his works. He said, don't have that kind of nature. He said, you're no different than they are if you do that. You've stooped to their level. You're to be of a different nature. You are to be a different kind. If you're really a part of the kingdom of God, then show it in the midst of hot opposition. I remember deer hunting on a piece of property that a friend of mine, been hunting it for years, and this guy took over the farm by farming it, and I drove up on the property, and man, he's ready to throw me off of it. And he's hostile, cussing, and big old guy, and he's flaunting around, and in my face, and John and Ben were on there, and they come off them thing, they were ready fighting. I, come on, guys, get back, get back. And we calmed him down, and we called the owner, and the owner straightened everything out. But I could have easily got mad and went to battle with that old boy. And I knew where I'd win because I had Ben and John behind me. He by himself. Amen. And yet on the flip side of the coin, a kind word turneth away wrath. Come on. I cannot become the same kind of nature he is or I, I'm no more of Christ than he is. Come on. Matthew 5 and 39. But I say unto you that you resist not evil. Don't resist it. But whosoever shall smite you on your right cheek and turn the other also, that's hard. I'm not saying that I'm always perfect in that. Because how many want to know if you're perfect or not? When your wife smarts off, do you smart back? Woo-hoo. Come on now. If we, don't, if we can't be kind to our wife when she smarts off to us, what makes us think if someone slaps us on the right cheek, we're going to turn the left also? Amen. Romans 12, 17, I'll not stay there. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Did you hear that? Recompense no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. I knew a Christian man that got cheated out of a lot of money. He said, I'll get them back, don't worry about it. By the time I get done doing what I'm gonna be doing, he'll pay four more times for that money that he got them. I thought, that's not of God. Come on, take your losses. Learn from it. 
You were probably stupid in the transaction anyway. Romans 12, 21, be not overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. 1 Peter 3 and 9, not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing. Know that you are thereunto called that you should inherit a blessing. Now that's one of the hardest scriptures there is. I, even though God tells me not to render evil for evil or railing against a railing, okay, they can rail against me and I'll keep my mouth shut. But then he says, no, I want you to go a step farther. I want you to bless them. Huh. Now I can keep my mouth shut. I don't have to render evil for evil. I don't have to do anything bad. But why in the world should I have to bless them? Bless those that do harm to you. Come on. Bless those that persecute you. Now you may be called the children of your father which is in heaven. And when you do pray for those that despitefully use you, you know what you do? You heap hot coals of fire upon their head. Oh, hallelujah. And if you're only doing good to them to heap the hot coals of fire, your spirit ain't right. Amen. I remember one time somebody had done something very vicious to me, and to my family, and that roused me up more than anything. You can pick on me all you want, but don't be picking on my family. And you do have a right in certain cases to defend your family. I'm not going to the four extreme. There are cases you have a right to defend your home. Somebody come into my home to do harm to my family, they're going to meet Mr. Smith and Wesson or Mr. Remington. Now that went over like a lead balloon. But in the case of just verbal stuff and that kind of thing, they had done wrong and, and I thought, okay, I'm gonna do good to them and boy, God's gonna put hot coals of fire upon their head and God said, you're not of the right spirit. Uh, working on attitude. The greatest test that you and I will ever have is keeping faith in the midst of our trial, in the midst of hot opposition. It was the apostle Paul that exhorted us in 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Watch ye, stand fast in faith. Quit yourself like men. Quit yourself like men. NIV puts it this way. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. I'm talking to this church. Hey, folks, be on guard. Be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Be men of courage. Be strong. Amen. It was God that told Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. We as the church of Jesus Christ must arise an exceedingly great army full of courage and full of faith. We must stand in faith and our faith will be tested, but we are not exhorted to violence or strife or anger or bitterness or wrath or unforgiveness. We are people of faith. It is our faith that will give us the victory and our faith is what's gonna remove mountains. Are you ready? We're not to, we are to be valiant men and women who stand strong in faith because it is our faith that the enemy is after. If the enemy can steal or destroy your faith, he's won because 1 John 5 and 4 says, for whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. It is our faith that gives us victory over the world. We can't, can't, and to be faith means to be faithful. It is a action word that says that the principles that God has laid out in scriptures, if I believe in them, then I will live them out and be faithful to them, and if I don't, then I don't have faith. Whatever you believe in is what you're going to endorse. Whatever you believe in will come out of you. Can I have an amen? It was George Mueller that said, to learn strong faith is to endure great trials. 
I have learned my faith by standing firm in severe testings. Isn't that what James says? James says in James 1, verse 2 through 4, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. How many of you do that? When multiple, divers, different kinds of temptations come your way, you say, oh, hallelujah. Whoa, glory, that's good. Oh, that feels so great. None of us do that, and yet James tells us to. Knowing this, the trial of your faith work with patience, but let patience have a perfect work that you may be perfect and entire wanting nothing. So what's that saying? It's saying that my problems will bring me to a place of patience and my patience will bring me to perfection to where I will absolutely want nothing. What the enemy does not know is the violent attacks that they're doing against the kingdom of God is actually strengthening the kingdom. The more violent they become, the more stronger that we get. Because in our weakness, in our inability, when we lose control, when we no longer have the answers, in our weakness, we are made strong. The church at its greatest height was when it was persecuted at its severest. And the church grew daily and saints were multiplied and people were coming to the kingdom by the thousands as a result of the high persecution that came upon the believers and they scattered. And when they scattered, the gospel scattered with them and it reached the four corners of the earth and more people were brought in under the umbrella of persecution than any other time in history. The fastest growing church in the world right now is in Iran where they are being tortured and killed for their faith. God help us right here. Paul also, before I go there, let me say this. What the woke generation is it counting on is the more persecution they put out there, they're awakening a kingdom generation. Hallelujah. There's an awakening. People had enough. People are tired. You push all you want to push, but we're going to come up out of our closet too. We're going to come out in the face of the people, not in violence, but we're going to be valiant. We're going to be men of courage, and we're going to plant our feet upon a rock, and we shall not be moved. I like that old song. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I I don't even know the rest of it. Like a tree planted by the waters, I shall not be moved. It's time that the church begin to stand up in a valiant way, not a violent way, in a courageous way, in a brave way, and to declare the word of the Lord and not be ashamed of who we are and when people that are threatening you with fear just stand boldly right in their face and declare you can't touch me if it wasn't for God I am sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise I am a child of God and greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world and though you come against me with a spear and a spear and a sword I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts I am to declare the goodness of God upon his children he's the same God that delivered Shadrach Meshach and 
Abednego out of the fiery furnace. He's the same God that delivered Daniel out of the lion's den. He's the same God that split the Red Sea for the children of Israel. He's the same God that rained down manna in the wilderness. He's the same God that took Paul out of prison and Peter out of the prison. He's the same God that is a God of deliverance in this generation. My, 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 my. Paul exhorted those at Philippi when he said in Philippians 4 and 1 while he was in a prison cell for the gospel's sake. Most time when we go to Paul, we always use that scripture. Philippians 4 and 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I said, we're, we're supposed to. But listen to what he said to him in verse 1. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy, my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. Stand fast. I remember a young, uh, older man, quite a bit older than I was, about 20 years older. I'm somewhere around probably 30 years old, and he's probably 50, 55 years old. And he said, I want to start doing hospital visitation with you. I said, okay. And I had been praying, Lord, show me the difference between the lunatic and the demonic. I was reading scriptures and studying, trying to form a sermon. Nothing was coming together because I'd see where he healed the lunatic. Then I seen where he healed the demonic. He said, how do you know the difference, God? I was wanting to show me through scripture, not by example, not by experience. <laughs> you better be watch out for what, you better be careful what you ask for. So me and this guy, we're doing our regular routine. We're going through the hospitals and we're trying to build a church and we're going from room to room. I'm Kent Miller from the Church of God. Is there anything we can do? We're running maybe 50 people at the time. I don't know how many people we're running, but we were building, trying to build a church by love and we're praying for everybody in the hospital, going by and visiting them. Don't know who they are. Just walk in, introduce ourselves, love on them, pray on them, check on them every day. And I walked into this one room and there was a little lady sitting there and she looked up at me, hello, God. I thought, what? And I'd hear that right and he looked at me and I looked at him, he laughed a little bit and I laughed a little bit. She's hilarious. She just started, God this and God, and she just was talking off of her head. And I could tell she's just sweet and gentle and kind. I thought, wow. And I didn't know what was going on, but we, I finally prayed with her and convinced her I wasn't God or tried to. <laughs> then all of a sudden I said, okay, let's go on the other side of the curtain and pray for that woman. I went back. When I did, she's sitting up in her bed. Her eyes are rolling in the back of her head. She's growling like a dog, hissing like a snake. <laughs> and a man's voice comes, I know you. I'm going to kill you. Mean, vicious. Next thing I know, I look around, he's gone. What happened to be strong, be courageous, stand. When you, and there I was by myself, 30 years old, and a demon speaking to me through a woman. And the voice of my pastor came to me and said, if you ever back down from demon possession one inch, if you take one step back, you've lost the battle. Stand firm. And I stood my ground. I said, no, you're not gonna kill me. You're gonna come out of this woman. 
And I started saying all kinds of things. I said, demons, shut your mouth. I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the woman. Boom. Oh, she started crying. I said, do you want delivered? She looked at me and said, I don't know what I want. Ma'am, right now you can be freed from these demons. I want to know, do you want to be delivered? I can't cast them out if you don't want to be cast out. She said, I don't know what I want. I, I, I don't know about that face. I just don't know. I don't want it. Boom. She went right back into her demonic state. And I want to tell you, when you face those kinds of things, you better be a man of courage. You better be a man of faith. And you better know who you belong to. Be men. Stand up. Don't be afraid of the prince of darkness. He has no control over you. And then look at verse nine where Peter says in verse eight, be sober, be vigilant because your adversary the devil is like a roaring lion walking about seeking who may devour. He says, then resist him steadfast in your faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. In other words, you know what he just said? Paul tells us to stand, faith in the, stand fast in the faith because we're not facing anything that our brothers in the world has not already faced and they endured it and they stirred it and they survived it. Look to them as their, your witness. This is why the 1 Corinthians 10 and 13 says, there has no temptation taken you but such as common to man, but God is faithful. Say God's faithful. Who's not, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way for you to escape it. And the truth of the matter is, we're on the winning side because Christ won this battle over 2,000 years ago when he said it's finished on the cross. There's a lot of this senseless labor and battling and going on in a spirit so-called warfare that ain't even of God. Because the enemy of violence may come against us, but they're awakening a sleeping giant and the people of faith is rising with anointing and we cannot be defeated. You and I cannot be defeated. It's the anointing that breaks the yoke and the bondage of sin. This is why the Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 and 58, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know, those that labor, labor not in vain in the Lord. We have to realize that it is our faith, our prayers, and the word of God, which is the sword of the spirit that's our weapons of warfare. How many believe in 2 Chronicles 7, 14? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I'll hear from heaven, I will forgive their sins, I will heal their land. Nothing can stop that land from being healed when the church engages itself. Right now, things are happening in this area that is encouraging to me. Not only with our church, but I know what's happening here, so I'll talk about the things that's happening with the people of our church. And some of them is not even church governed. It's just things that are happening, and most of them are church governed. We have prayer meetings on a group of valiant prayer ladies praying on Monday night that been doing it for over a year that you cannot believe what they're moving in faith. I mean, they become valiant. You ought to hear them pray. Sounds like they're dying, man, up in that room. It's unbelievable the things that's going on in that room. We have the pastor's porch where I've got, I, I, I bring people in and I'll be probably contacting some of you where we have prayer, where we're sitting in atmosphere. We do it right out there in the front of the church outside in the building and we're sitting atmosphere on our grounds. Come on. You can say whatever you want to say, but we're setting atmosphere. We're the one that's going to set the tone, not the prince of the darkness of this present world. Amen. We're driving the forces back. Come on. We have Tuesday morning prayer groups of, of ladies. It's just unbelievable. Been doing it for years under the direction of Louise Marvin. Unbelievable what they're doing. We have a group of people that's where our worship team 
goes down on Todd and Sierra Henson's property across from Rogers Theater once a month and sets up the stage and they worship and they have a little devotions and scripture readings. It's setting an atmosphere downtown. Got another woman that's rising up. She's going to plant a tent in a specific location when she finds it. She's going to have a prayer tent from our church where people are going to be able to come by and have people where they, she can pray with them. And we're establishing presence all over this town. And I want to tell the enemy, we're not going to become violent. We're not going to be out here being radicals and hounding people and, and being mean and, and, and trying to stop traffic. We're not going to get in arguments and we're not going to get in slain fights. We're not going to throw fists. Come on. We're just going to stand and worship in the face of our adversary. Let them rant. Let them raise. And the more they rant and raise, the more we worship. Woo! If they want to get loud, I can get louder. Like old brother Ziegler on that airplane. That old Muslim got his little prayer rug and put it down in the middle of the aisle of the airplane and got down on his things and went through his ritual. And he said, said I've had enough of this. And he got up and he got right down in the middle of the airplane, got down and who come on? He just started speaking in tongues in his own and began to magnify God. And he began to have a Pentecostal fear right there in the middle of that plane. Everybody was quiet. Everybody was standing there like quiet and the world just went on. And when he got up, he started going down the aisle and people were going. <laughs> but what gets me is the people that were doing this, why didn't they join him? We don't need silent Christians. It's not a time to be ashamed or afraid of what might happen or what kind of can of worms you'll have to stand up and declare and give a reason of the hope that lies within you. Declare your faith. Preach, teach, witness. Declare, decree. Speak those things that are not as though they were. And when the enemy wants to curse, bless. In the midst of chaos, speak God's divine order. In the midst of death, declare life. In the midst of bondage, declare freedom. Whether you know it or whether you don't, we already have one. Can I have an amen? I'm not laying down. I gotta quit. When you do all that you know to do, then stand. Do all that you know to do and then stand. Isn't that what Paul tells Ephesians 6, 10 through 18? Put on the whole armor of God and when you've done all you know to do, then stand, stand therefore with your loins girded about with truth and so on. I like that praying always at the end of it. Praying always with prayer and supplication in the spirit. Watching thereunto, being alert. Praying, supplicating, interceding. That's your weapons of warfare. And with perseverance, that's what we lack. Perseverance, enduring, being consistent, being steadfast. We're to be praying for all of the saints. When the enemy begins to silence us, just scream out the more. When the enemy tries to stop us, just get more aggressive. I know one thing, I wanna quote these scriptures then I'll quit. It was Francis Rivers that said, stand firm in the Lord, stand firm and let him fight your battle. Do not fight alone. 
First Peter 3 and 9 again, not rendering evil for evil, railing for railing, but contrarywise, blessing, knowing that thereunto were you called to inherit a blessing. God has called you to endure the hardness with faith so that you could receive the inheritance of blessing. That's your promise. How many want to be blessed? Then endure hardness. Listen to this. Romans 12, 19, dearly beloved, avenge not yourself, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. How many knows what Galatians says? Galatians, be not deceived, God is not mocked for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If he sows to the flesh, he shall reap of the flesh corruption, but if he sows to the spirit, he shall reap of the spirit everlasting life. What's Proverbs 20, 22 say? Say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord, he shall save you. That's the promise of the Lord. Weeping may come for the night, but joy comes in the morning. We win. We may have to spend the night in a jail cell, but there'll be an angel at midnight. Ask Paul, ask Peter. Come on. Something happened last Monday night in our prayer meeting. There were four of us that this actual prayer meeting we were praying, I'm not going to say the guy's name, you may not want me to, but Craig Reynolds. <laughs> Holy Ghost hit that boy. He went down on that concrete and laid out prostrate on that floor and wept and interceded and cried over this city. The other three of us was just, the presence of God was so thick. And when it was all over, we were all talking about it. He said, I wonder what would happen if someone drove by and seen them fanatic people lifting their voices, acting crazy, and somebody laid out like they'd been knocked in the head and co-cocked. It don't matter what people think. We're declaring, we're declaring and decreeing blessing over this city. When you drive on this property, the presence of God is going to intensify every day. We got music and word playing 24 hours a day out there. You say, well, you got that outside. That's driving people maybe in the community. I want it to drive them crazy. That music's driving the enemy crazy. 24 hours of the gospel being sung over the airways. Say, oh, that don't do nothing. Yes, it does. We're setting atmosphere. How many are willing to be valiant men and women? I want you to stand. Not violent, valiant. Brave, courageous, strong, unintimidated, unfearful. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and a power and of a sound mind. Come on. Wow, look at this. If one can put a thousand to flight, Two can put 10,000 to fight. What in the world can happen if we get valiant? Look at this. I don't know how many we have here. There's probably 600 here close to it. If two can put 10,000 to fight, do the math. Would somebody do that for me? I'm not that, I'm not that sharp. Get the banker over here. She can do it just like that probably. Amen. She could do it because she deals with Mike's expenditures. I'm here to tell you 
that if we will do what this message says as people of faith, and we'll get a hold of this thing and do our part through prayer, supplication, intercessory, study of the word, the speaking of the word, declaring of the word, praying the word, speaking the things that are not as though they were, decreeing the blessing, declaring God's goodness. Not listen to all the negatives and every time you turn around, you hear the conversations around table, it's all about everything that's fallen apart. When are we gonna start declaring and speaking the good news of Jesus Christ? He's still Savior, he's still Lord. And whether the enemy knows it or not, I wanna tell you, he's still gonna be the God of America as long as the church is alive and vibrant and America shall not go down. Amen. I tell you, that right in the middle of this thing, right when that one scripture earlier, the presence of God was so strong. I want us to captivate, live in the presence. That's our, we have to continually search ourselves and wash ourselves daily by the sanctifying of the word, cleansing ourselves, making ourselves holy, purifying ourselves because it's in the realm of holiness where favor comes. And it's in the power of being free and not bound in the heavens as we present our case before God that literally looses things upon earth. And you and I need to be people of faith that know who we are, that know what kind of lives we live, and in faith and in confidence and assurance and in boldness, we can go before the presence of God and we can say, God, we ask you and we petition you to do this. And then we believe in the things that we ask for shall be done. We believe that we can speak in the mountains, be thou removed and cast into the sea and not doubt in our heart and we shall have the things in which we say it. Can I have an amen? Today I am challenging you to be courageous. I am challenging you to be strong. I am challenging you to be men of valiant. Be valiant men. Not violent. We don't want no violence. We don't want people on the internet talking negative and slamming somebody. It's ungodly. Don't be on the internet talking bad about somebody. And don't get on there and say, woe is me. Look what everybody's doing to me. Endure hardness and keep your mouth shut and be a person of blessing. How can we overcome an enemy if we're going to jump on the bandwagon with the enemy? The Lord spoke to me just the other day and this is what he said to me. Why is it that the people can believe in the force of evil to be stronger than the force of God? In other words, why is it that when something evil is spoken, we'll believe 100% that's gonna come to pass and that it's happening. But we'll say something about what God's doing and it'll be about 20% that we'll believe in it. It's almost like we believe in the devil doing more bad than we do about God doing good. As much as the devil wants to do you harm, God even more wants to do you good. Can we not get that in our heads? As much as the devil wants to kill me, it's that much more that God wants to preserve me. So, whose report are you gonna believe? I believe the report of the Lord. We're fighting demons and devils and people of, that's caved into it. 
People say all the time, how do you pray for them? I pray God save them. You can say to them, it'd be a greater witness for to save them and them to be transformed in mind. But if they're not going to get saved, remove them. Nothing wrong with that. I don't pray for their house to burn down. I don't pray for someone to go by and kill them. Come on now. All I just simply say is, God, save them. You can save to the uttermost. Let them keep their position, but let them be transformed. Let them do good. Let them turn the corner. Amen? I want them to be saved, but if not, remove them. Plant somebody there that'll do the job that you want done. I'm gonna ask you, those of you that are courageous as you stood in faith, you made a commitment, I just want you to come and I want you to stand before the altar just for a second. I want to see you move now. Move upon your confession of faith. Get as close as you can. There's a lot of people coming. I want plenty of room. I want you to really understand what you're asking for because the minute you take this stand, you'll face violence. You'll face a violent attack. There's an enemy planning, plotting. You say, oh, you're trying to scare me. No, I'm telling you to be watchful. I'm telling you to be so Look for the tricks of the enemy. He'll try to trick you up. But be of good courage, God said to Joshua. For wheresoever thou goest, I'll be with you. I'm a friend that sticketh close to brother. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Joshua, come to the right conclusion. When a man come against him with a sword drawn, Joshua drew his sword and he said, Are you for us or are you for them? And the angel of the Lord said, I'm neither for them nor am I for you, for I am for the Lord of hosts. In other words, what that man done, he turned the corners and said, I'm not for you, Joshua. I want to know who you're for. What matters is not for what you stand for. What matters is what are you standing, who are you standing for? Joshua says, oh, I understand. I'm on your side. Today, it's not about your agenda, what you like, what you want, what you desire. It's about getting in on the agenda of God and saying, God, I'm on your side. You're the chief. You're the captain. You're the Lord. You're the king. And I make homage to you. Your majesty. Here I am. I want you to present yourself like that. And then I want you to pray, God, give me courage in the face of opposition. Let me not cow down. Let me not be silent. Everybody's being silent. They just want to sit around, let everybody make havoc, talk bad about people, do whatever, and they never want to stand up and say anything. The church cannot remain silent. We don't get in their fights with them. We just speak truth and let the truth fall where it was. We speak truth and love, and then we go on. We plant seeds. Can I have an amen? Speak truth and love. And I'm angry some of them because they resist it. It's okay. I had a man at Gates Rubber Company that I worked on for years, and he'd look at me, he'd fall under conviction. He'd say, I just hate your guts. I hate your guts. I'd say, Oh, but you're going to learn to love me. I'd pat him and go on. I'd give him a few. Well, I didn't bad dream all the time. I'd go by every once in a while, I'd stoke that fire. One day he'd come in and I looked and there was a change about him. 
He went to a revival meeting over in Puxico, a little place called Hobbs Chapel, got saved. He come in, he said, ha, kid, come here. And he grabbed me, belly hugged me, picked me up, thought he was going to break. I love you. Thank you for never giving up on me. Be courageous. I see the Spirit of God landing on people. You feel him? Lift your hands and honor him and worship him. Oh, Holy Ghost. Lord, breathe on your army. Breathe on your army, God. Breathe on your army right now, God. Move right now upon your people, on your sons and daughters. Put a spirit of intercessory, supplication. Put a spirit of petitioning in their hearts. God, let them be bold to declare the word of the Lord. Help them to study the scripture to this saith the word of the Lord. Help them to mature. Help them to grow. Help them to be courageous. Help them to tell their story when they don't know what to tell. Just let them have courage to tell their story. Help us to be witnesses unto the uttermost, to the uttermost parts of the earth, all across the counties and all across the nation, wherever soever we go. Let us go in great courage and great faith. I declare blessing upon this army. I declare and decree power, blessing, honor, strength, prosperity, health, healing, and wholeness on this army. In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Oh, God, help us to be valiant and courageous. Lord, I just sent you one to do something. Sing just one verse of that. Go ahead. There's a glory rising up. There's a glory rising up. There's a There's 
Okay, I got a little bit of instruction and then we're gonna dismiss. This is what I want you to do. I want you to look out in your local area, in your little group that you hang around of anybody that may be poisonous. That's people that are just unregenerated. You love them, you wanna see them saved. You can't hardly tolerate them because they're just, they're just always speaking negative stuff and buying into the, what's going on in the world. I want you to look at them and I want you to start praying over them, asking God to save them. And every time they speak something poisonous, just say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you turn the tables on them. I pray that out of their mouths shall come blessing and not cursing. I pray that they can't curse no longer, Father, in the name of Jesus. Look at the most wicked politician that you know, whether it be Democrat, whether it be Republican, whether it be independent, because there's wickedness in all of them. I'm not preaching against a certain political party. I'm, I'm preaching for the man of God or the woman of God will do something, amen? But I am saying that there are ones that's got things on their platform you can't be a part of. But look at the, the ones that are just constantly doing evil and start praying blessing over them. Just start saying, God, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to stop them, let them come to their senses. And when they try to make that happen, let it reverse somehow. I wanna tell you what's gonna happen. You're gonna see some changes. You're gonna see a Nebuchadnezzar. Remember King old Nebuchadnezzar? Wasn't it here to the Lord of the word of the Lord and what happened? His hair began to grow like feathers and his fingernails and his toenails grew like claws and he went out and began to eat the grass like an oxen in the field. He finally come to his senses. God knows how to get them to come to their senses. I'd rather have them saved in heaven with me than go to hell. I'd like to see them in their latter part turning over all the evil that they've done by doing good. Amen. Have you ever found it hard to pray for somebody because of how evil they are? Break that in Jesus' name. Start praying over the people, two different people, the people that you're involved in, and it could be more than one, whether it be a dad, an uncle, a neighbor, a friend, whatever. Maybe it's a politician here in town, but I want you to pray over the political arena that God would change the atmosphere of violence to value, being people of valiant, valiant people, people of courage, amen. Pray for those that are being courage. There are certain ones that need our prayers. They're in the battle for their lives, man. They're being attacked like you can't believe taking things out of context, putting it on the media, and you think they said something, when you go really investigate what they said, that ain't what they said at all. Come on. And they'll lie about you and persecute you as well, but just pray over them, pray over them, intercede. Start pronouncing blessing over your home, over your children, over the area, and over the church. Let's see revival. Let's proclaim awakening in Jesus' name. There's an awakening, say it. Say, there's an awakening, say it, that's coming and nothing shall stop it in Jesus' name. God bless you, you're dismissed.